Masters Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, the nation's public radio source for all the latest news, information, techniques, and strategies in real estate. And today is Question and Answer Week, which means the show is all about what you want to know about anything related to real estate investing, buying, selling, managing, getting started, getting out, financing, whatever the case might be. I uh, have a couple of questions here lined up that came in through the askvina.com website, but uh, not enough to make a whole show out of. So if you have a question that has been burning in your brain or that comes up, during the show today, you can go to askvina.com, fill in the Askvina a question little box there, and also, of course, let us know from where you are writing. You can also give us a call at 772-9658 or at 877-772-9658. So um, be sure to give us a call the next hour or send an email or something in order to make sure that, um, I don't know, your question gets answered and also that uh, you can, I don't know, help educate everybody else. The Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati has its usual semi-monthly meeting. Uh, Nope bi-monthly meeting. I always get those two mixed up. Uh, Next Thursday, not tomorrow, but a week from Thursday, the early topic is how to inspect a property right. The biggest mistakes investors make with property inspector Ferd Flick, who was a guest here on Real Life Real Estate last week. The main meeting is an interesting one. It is a panel of staff people who work for full-time real estate investors, people like acquisitions coordinators, property managers, leasing agents, folks like that. They're going to talk about what their job responsibilities are, what they earn, how they're paid, what they like and don't like about working for real estate investors, and of course, how to hire someone like them to help you. Because of course, the goal of most full-time real estate investors or full-time real estate investors want to be is not to work 80 to 90 hours a week, but rather to have other folks in place who can help you with those things. So that meeting is June 2nd. It is at the usual location at the uh, Community Action Agency building in the Jordan Crossing at the corner of Reading and Seymour. You can get more information by going to CincinnatiRIA.com or by calling 859-292-7342. Uh, here at Real Life Real Estate Investing, we did a survey a few weeks back asking folks what the biggest gaps in their knowledge were or the biggest things that were keeping them from getting where they wanted to be in real estate investing. And the results are in on that survey. And uh, as a result of your responses, we are creating a series of lengthy 30 30 to 40 page in most cases, um, downloadable 
books about things like how to get started in wholesaling and uh, 10 things you need to know before you invest one dime in real estate and how to get an education without spending a fortune. If you'd like to be on the list to receive those ebooks, you need to go to askvina.com and click the button that says sample Vina's free e-letter. It is the folks on that list who are going to receive these reports as they are available over the next couple of months, starting with the How to Get Started Wholesaling ebook. There's absolutely no charge for that. It is complimentary from real life real estate investing, but we need to know you want them. So go to askvina.com, click the Sample Vina's e-letter button, fill out the response form, and you will be notified as those become available for your downloading pleasure. It is question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. Got to ask some questions or there is no show. I'm uh, going to go now to some of the questions that we received in advance of the program. Um, this one is from Daniel in Cincinnati. He says, I am a listener of your radio show. I really enjoy it. My question is this. I am the manager of a small condo association in downtown Cincinnati. There are two buildings, five units, all owner-occupied except for one that I currently rent out. One of the unit owners recently lost her property to foreclosure. The unit is empty. The property is up for auction uh, by the bank that holds the mortgage. One of the other unit owners is considering buying the unit. She owns two in the same building and would like to own the last one in that building. She has tried to contact the bank with, with no success. Does the association have any say in who the unit goes to? Do we have more rights in the unit than an outsider what can we or she do to help her gain ownership? Uh, well, Daniel, um, the reason that she didn't have any luck contacting the bank is because prior to the auction, uh, at which point the property will either sell to a third party or more likely will sell back to the bank, the bank can't talk to her about buying that property because they don't own it. The person who is losing the property to foreclosure is the owner of that property right up until the day that the sheriff confirms the deed, which will actually be about a month after the sale. Uh, if she wants to, if, 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 if the gal who still lives in the condo wants to buy the condo from the person who has, who is losing it to foreclosure, to foreclosure, she needs to contact the owner, not the bank. Only the owner can agree to sell it to her. And then at that point, uh, she will probably, this is the buyer, will probably need to go to the bank and negotiate some sort of a short payoff on the loan because mostly we're finding that they are, uh, all, all loans are too big now. All, all properties are overfinanced. Okay, not all properties, but all the ones I deal with seem to be overfinanced. Uh, unless the owner is willing to sign a purchase contract, the only thing that your buyer here can do is to go to the sheriff's sale and be the winning bidder. Or if the property goes for too much of the sheriff's sale, contact the bank following the sheriff's sale if they are the winning bidder and try to buy it as an REO. The answer is no. The association does not have a say in who the unit goes to in a foreclosure. Uh, you don't have more right to it than an outsider. And um, the only thing that you can do is follow the process that everyone else has to follow, which is contact the owner before the sale, get a contract, then contact the bank, see if they'll do a short sale, although time is getting short here for you. Or go to the sheriff's sale and be the winning bidder. Or following the sheriff's sale, contact the bank or the bank's asset manager or agent, however they direct you, and buy it from them as a an REO asset. So I uh, hope that helped and hope it wasn't too late. It's question and answer week on real life real estate investing. Call in with your questions at 772-9658 if you're listening in the greater Cincinnati area. Call in outside the greater Cincinnati area toll-free at 877-772-9658 or send us an email via askvina.com. Support comes from Charles Vonderhaar CPA. For 33 years, Charles Vonderhaar has been providing a wide variety of accounting, tax, and financial management services tailored to meet the needs of both individuals and businesses. His firm also offers personal services for clients in the following areas, individuals, small business, real estate investors, retirees, and trusts. More information about Charles Vonderhaar CPA at 513-563-0598 or at vonderhaarcpa.com. Checking on traffic right now, we have an accident South Cooper at South Wayne. 
6th at Main and 2nd in Walnut, both downtown, West 75th at Vine Street near Hartwell, and a disabled now northbound 75 between Buttermilk and Dixie Highway. It's blocking the left lane. Your forecast tonight, tornado watch in effect until 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, We are starting to see some storms on the edge of our uh, viewing area, and so we can expect showers and thunderstorms early this evening and then again after midnight. Tonight's low 65. Tomorrow, an 80% chance of more showers with a high around 75 degrees. Right now, it's 85 here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is you. It is question and answer week, as it always is on the last Wednesday of the month, and we're looking for your questions at 772-9658 or outside the greater Cincinnati area at 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email by going to askvina. Uh, sorry, by going, yeah, but blah, 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 askmina.com. Now, don't try and put askmina.com into your email server, okay? Don't say, like, I'm sending the email to askmina.com. Askmina.com is a website. You go to the website, there is a little button there that says Ask Mina Question, and the nice thing about that is when you fill that out, it comes straight into my radio show inbox. So uh, do that, askmina.com. Uh, we do have a caller on line one, Tony from Cincinnati. Tony, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Uh, thank you, Vina. I got I kind of got a uh, few questions rolled up into one. Uh, really, I want to start wholesaling properties. Um, my question is, I'm, I'm a single father, so I kind of alternate my schedule between my mom, well, between my son and his mother, mm-hmm. the, on the days that I have them. So, one, I want to know, like, how much do you really need to get started to do wholesaling, and then also how much time needs to be devoted to this on a week-for-week basis, and then also with that, uh, I know I've been to a couple of the real meetings. I know they are on the first and third Thursday, mm-hmm. and how we alternate is some kind, sometimes I'm not able to attend. You know, is that a, would that be a big problem with me trying to, you know, build a buyer's list and everything? Okay. Um, all right. Uh, so basic, basically your question is around the time that it takes to do the wholesaling thing and uh, what do you have to be available for? Correct? Okay. Um, One of the interesting things about wholesaling is that you have to put, I mean, you have to put time in it, right? I mean, you have to put time in any business you're starting, but the time that you put into it is much more flexible than it is in some other businesses. Uh, My partner is a night owl. He likes to get up at noon and he likes to he likes to work from like you know noon to eight or you know noon to six and then take some time off and then work from midnight to two in the morning something like that, and that works fine for him because when you think about what you need to be doing to wholesale, uh, you need to be able to talk to sellers, you need to be able to look at properties, you need to be able to talk to buyers and and find buyers and send out emails to buyers, and. Though with within some limits, those that can kind of be done at any time, right? It's not. It's not that. It's not that it has to be done from nine to five every day or, uh, you know, whatever. Um, the 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 one thing that I can tell you, you absolutely want to stay on top of, is seller calls. If you're doing any kind of marketing where you're 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 asking sellers to call you, ideally you're going to pick up the phone when they call as opposed to putting them off for a day or two because a truly motivated seller is going to find somebody to buy his property, right? So, uh, I mean, answering the phone is something that I assume you can do when your son is with you, right? Yeah, I can do it. He's, uh, he's of age where, you know, I can do things with him, but my only concern is, like, when I'm on the move at football practice or I'm at basketball practice or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, okay, um, at those times you let the voicemail get it and you make sure you've, you're leaving a message on your voicemail that says, uh, I'm, I'd love to buy your property, but right now I'm out looking at somebody else's. If you can please leave me your name, day, day and evening phone number and the address of the property, I'll get back to you just as soon as I'm finished. Right? Okay. Uh, that is uh, not as good as answering the phone yourself, but it'll work. Uh, now, in terms of being able to attend the RIA meetings, and, and let me let me address this to all the listeners everywhere in the country who have real estate associations, not just not just Cincinnati RIA people. It is very important that wholesalers network. 
And one of the best places to network is, of course, your local Real Estate Investors Association meeting. If you have to miss one every once in a while, it's not a huge deal as long as you are using the ones that you can attend to really talk to people who are potential buyers, right? The thing, the thing that a lot of wholesalers seem to miss is that many real estate associations, in fact, I would say most of the larger ones in the country, they don't just have their main meeting. They have special interest subgroup meetings. Um, Cincinnati for Rhea, Rhea for instance, have, has, of course, their wholesaling meeting, which, by the way, is a week from today. <laughs> I should, probably should have mentioned that in the announcements up front. It's a week from today. And it's at... Um, it's it's in Hyde Park. There's a the, go to CincinnatiRia.com. You can find the the, the location there. Uh, but they also have a landlord subgroup, and a lot of wholesalers would say, "Oh, well, I'm not going to go to the landlord subgroup. I don't need to know how to be a landlord." Well, no, you don't know how to be a landlord, but those are your buyers, right? The folks the folks who attend that meeting are are people who are going to buy houses, right? So I, I, I recommend that, you know, you get to, you get to as many of those little side meetings uh, as you can and, and as seem applicable. I mean, like uh, there's a group up in um, uh, Philadelphia called the Diversified Investors Group. They're another nonprofit association. And they have like, I don't know, 18 subgroup meetings <laughs> during the course of the month and some of them were like beginner subgroup meetings and you wouldn't you wouldn't attend that because it's unlikely that someone who's a beginner would have the money or the resources to buy a property from you right but other other types of meetings are uh, very applicable to you as a wholesaler if you look at it not from the point of view of what am I going to learn but rather from the point of view of who am I going to meet Okay. And what I found in the last few years, uh, I can tell you that back in, I don't know, 03, 04, if you had a wholesale deal under contract, you could pretty much just send out an email blast to the investors that you knew, and it would be sold in 24 hours. And it didn't matter if they knew who you were. It didn't matter if they'd met you more than once. It just didn't matter. The market has changed. There are a lot of good deals on the market. And so in order to get people to sit up and pay attention to your deals, as opposed to the other 50 wholesalers who are sending them information on deals that might be good ones or might be bad ones, they, they really kind of have to have, have met you and know you and, uh, oh, yeah, that's Tony. I remember Tony. He's a good guy. Let me see what he has to say. So the networking aspect has become much, 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 much more important than it used to be. Okay, so I don't think you have to worry about, you know, having having days when you can't always answer the phone, you can't go out and look at properties that day, but, uh, you know, just, just figure you're going to be putting in a, a, are you full-time in wholesaling or is there something besides the family? Yeah, I mean, I have a full-time job too, in addition to wholesaling as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, you're going you're gonna to have to find places to fit this in in your life and I know when you're when you've got a full-time job and you've got these family responsibilities on top of that 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 takes some commitment I mean you got to block out time and say I'm using this time to wholesale I'm not using this time to watch tv or go play golf or mow the lawn or whatever the case may be um I've generally found that for the, the the magic number seems to be about 10 hours a week for people to be able to uh truly make a go of the wholesaling business, and that time that time should be evenly divided between finding bu- deals and finding buyers for the deals. Okay. So yeah, I can I can set aside ten hours a week. Okay. All right then. It sounds like you're in good shape. All right, Vino. I appreciate the help. Okay. Thank you for your call, Tony. Thank you. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It is question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. And uh, any question that you have, whether it be about wholesaling or creative finance or management or whatever the case may be, you can call us like Tony just did at 772-9658 if you are in the greater Cincinnati area. Outside the greater Cincinnati area, you can call toll-free 877-772-9658 or you can go to askvina.com and send us an email through the askvina.com contact form Um, let's see my question here from Mike in Flint Michigan Uh, looking for some information about the upcoming OREA convention we'll uh, we'll have more for you on that 
Mike in the upcoming weeks because I have a feeling that Oria will probably once again donate some seats to that to WMKV uh, and we don't have all the speakers nailed down right at this moment but uh, I'll get back to you on that the other question was I see more of the banks coming after investors that had let their properties go back to the bank any insight um, uh, Mike I haven't I haven't read anything that would indicate that I have never had anybody from a bank tell me anything that would indicate that but it seems to me in the last six months or so that all creditors are being more vicious if you will about trying to collect money that is owed to them by their debtors um, and this includes uh, credit card companies um, you know medical bills things like that that the the the, the aggressiveness of these creditors has increased a lot in the last six months and uh, I am I am hearing some very objective things that would say the same thing that you just said which is that if an investor tries to let a property go back to the bank that the bank is often going ahead and taking it back and then getting an efficiency judgment and placing it against the investors other properties even if those other properties don't really have a lot of equity and it just causes a domino foreclosure effect so I can't explain that except to say that they might be sick of not getting paid uh, and that as the um, economy recovers, they might figure that there might be more money out there to pay them. But uh, I can tell you that subjectively, I've heard the same thing. Objectively, I haven't seen anything that would indicate that that was happening or why it was happening. Uh, I guess we may or may not see those statistics in the upcoming weeks and months. Thank you for your question, Mike. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing Question and Answer Week. Send in your question by going to askvina.com or call in at 877-772-9658. Support comes from Homewell Senior Care, providing custom care so senior adults can enjoy the quality of life you deserve wherever you live. We are family-owned and operated by a registered nurse who is available for personal assessments. Homewell is an extension of family care, providing standby assistance, light housekeeping and laundry, and meal preparation and cleanup. More information at 513-791-4824 or online at cincinnati.homewellcares.com. Checking on traffic right now, we have the right lane blocked, north 75 at 74. Uh, there is emergency repair work being done on a street, a street lamp hanging over the roadway. So the police and public works are on the scene there. Uh, that disabled in Kentucky on 75 at Buttermilk has been cleaned up, but we still have accidents on Cooper at South Wayne, 6th at Maine, 2nd in Walnut, and 75th at Vine. Your forecast tonight, once again, a tornado watch is in effect until 9 o'clock tonight. And uh, we'll get some more showers and thunderstorms. Actually, two lines of storms passing through, well, one early this evening, and that could contain some heavy weather. Uh, low tonight, 65, and then after midnight, another line of storms, perhaps less uh, severe. Tomorrow's high will be around um, 75 degrees. Then Thursday, or Friday rather, a high around 70, uh, and then Saturday, a dry with a high of 78. So right now we're at 85 here at 89.3. WMKV. You know, you can make a dramatic difference in WMKV listenership. Just pass the word along to a friend about WMKV, FM 89.3, and about our worldwide streaming audio at WMKVFM.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and... It's question and answer week here on real life real estate investing. Um, you can ask your questions either by phone by calling 772-9658 or if you're outside the greater Cincinnati area at 877-772-9658 or you can get send us an email. But what you have to do to do that is go to askvina.com. And uh, there's a little thing there that says, ask me a question. You can fill out a response form. And uh, 
it will send the questions about anything you want to know about real estate right here. Now, I got a I got a uh, question here from Sean in Minnesota that regards somebody else's strategy, that regards the strategy of a, a person who's been a guest here on Real Life Real Estate in the past. And Sean, uh, without revealing your identity, I have forwarded this to the person in question for response. Uh, if she does not respond here uh, reasonably quickly, I will tackle that one myself. And let's see if I can get back to the main reading pane here. Got that one already. See, the way this thing works is I have to actually open up the silly pane here. Okay, a question here from Nick, who does not say where he is from. Bad Nick, bad. Uh, Can you recommend a good skip trace service, which is the most reliable and costs the least? And actually, Nick, the answer to that question is no. One of the uh, benefits of public radio is that we cannot and do not endorse any particular company services, etc. That also becomes a disadvantage, of course, when you want to know a specific name like you do here. Now, uh, the truth is, Nick, I have not yet found a skip trace service that I consider to be both cheap and reliable, <laughs> which is uh, what you're looking for. There's a million of them on the internet, right? If you if you if you just Google skip trace, they will oh, you, you'll get pages and pages and pages and pages of results. And some of them guarantee quote unquote, their service by which they mean they will get you a good address and some of them don't. The ones that don't are cheap. The ones that do are more expensive. I assume that what you're looking for, Nick, is probably the addresses of property owners that don't, that you can't find them just by looking in the public record. That's what most real estate investors want skip trace services for. And, um, we have found a number of effective ways to track those down without using skip trace services. Uh, the one, one, one really easy way is that we found that many of the folks who own these vacant, ugly houses that you're probably looking for are involved in a court action of some kind. They've, they've, uh, they're in foreclosure. They've got a tax lien. They have evicted a tenant. They're getting a divorce. There's a probate case, something of that nature. And if you have online access to your court system, you may very well find out that, um, you don't have the address in the tax rolls that they have at the courthouse. In other words, the courthouse has better has a better address than what you can see in the tax roll. So that is mostly how we are finding these missing owners uh, when we are finding them. Some of them are just, you know, they're just impossible to find, but it is a lot cheaper to do it that way than it is to do the skip trace services where you still don't know if you're getting a good address until you actually receive it. A question from Jody in San Diego when going after a probate property, how I how do I know that the property has cleared probate and it's okay for me to make an offer on it? I'm looking for them by going through the probate files of the local courthouse. And yes, I'm already a fan on Facebook. Um, Jody, you can make an offer on a property before it has quote cleared probate because you know cleared cleared probate means one of two things depending on how the will was written. It either means that the executor has received permission from the court to sell it. Or it means that if, if the will says that, that, that rather than the house being sold and the money divided up amongst the heirs, the house was just going to the heirs, that that has happened, that the, the house is now deeded to the various heirs. The fact that it hasn't, quote, cleared probate doesn't mean you can't make an offer. It just means that if even if the executor or in California, they're called the personal representative, is inclined to take the offer that they cannot immediately do so because the probate is still in process. You can and should make the offers on the probate properties uh, prior to the property, quote, clearing probate. And the way to do that, since you're looking at through the probate files anyway, is to find the personal representative and then send the personal representative a, um, a letter saying I'm interested in 
buying your property if you're interested in selling it and um, let them respond to you. So if you wait for it to clear probate, many times it immediately goes on the market in the MLS and then you have many, many, many competitors for that property. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It is question and answer week. And we are taking any questions that you have about real estate investing and building your personal wealth through investing in real estate at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can also go to askvina.com and send us an email. And while you're at askvina.com, do not forget to click that little button that says try Venus free e-letter because In case you missed it at the beginning of the show, over the next few months, I'm going to be releasing a series of free ebooks on topics like things you need to know before you buy keepers, um, how to wholesale, how to get started wholesaling properties, which I know is a hot topic, and also how to get a real estate education at a reasonable price without getting ripped off. That's a long one. You would think that would be a short one, but that one's almost 30 pages because I just had a lot to say about what to look for in your real estate education. So to receive those, you need to get on our email list here at Real Life Real Estate. And the way to do that is go to askvina.com, click the button that says try Vina's free e-letter and fill out the response form. Uh, Let's see, let's go back to the emails here and see what other questions we have here via email and of course my email is being real slow here okay a question from francilia in san diego big california day uh i am selling a house that i renovated in columbus ohio i assume i left the kitchen clean but not new it will cost me another three thousand dollars to complete the kitchen and paint the exterior of the house uh, she gives me the dress. We purchased it for 45000 and so far we have 11000 in repairs. There will be $3,000 more if we do the uh, current renovations. We're selling it at seventy nine nine now. It's been on sale for 36 days. It's our first rehab. Um, yeah, Francilia, I think you just learned a lesson that I think every rehabber has to learn at some point in time, and that is if you're going to sell a house to a homeowner, it kind of has to have a new kitchen or a kitchen at least that looks completely new. Uh, kitchens and baths sell houses. That's uh, that's an old saw and very, very true. And I myself has been have been many times tempted to just clean up cabinets that or paint cabinets that were good and solid and it was just a shame to even take them out. But um, people want new kitchens and they want new countertops and they want new sinks and they want new ceramic tile floors and they also want new baths. So what you save in not spending $3,000 on the new kitchen is going to ultimately cost you in terms of how long it takes you to sell the property and how much you will sell it for. Question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate, and I am down to my very last question. So, Mike, I wonder if we could take a break and give people a chance to go to askvina.com, fill in that Askvina question response form, and get me some questions, by golly, so that we have a last 15 minutes of the show. Because, I don't know, with 15 minutes of radio silence, I would think that, you know, somebody from the, the, the powers that be would show up to see if we were all still alive here, right? That's right. That's right. That's what we'll play. Okay. Very good. So we're going to take a quick break. After the break, I'm going to come back to your questions at 772-9658-877-772-9658 or send them to askvina.com. Support comes from the Cincinnati Museum Center and Cleopatra, the exhibition. See her treasures after 2,000 years beneath the sand and sea. Walk among the statues from her temples, just as she did, and get to know her world in this must-see exhibition. Join in the discussion with our book club or make it a date night. This month, we're reading Cleopatra's Daughter, a novel by Michelle Moran with a discussion on May 26th. The Cincinnati Museum Center is open late, Fridays and Saturdays, 5 to 9 p.m., last entry at 8 p.m. More information at cincymuseum.org. And now we check on traffic, and we have uh, a disabled vehicle, southbound 75, 
at the 5th Street exit, this is on the left side, so South 75, left side at the 5th Street exit, which is where the exit is, actually. Uh, that other emergency uh, with the um, light pole that was falling down, that has been taken care of, and that was northbound 75 at 74. There's still a bit of a backup there, but at least that is, uh, should get better. We do have two new accidents, North 71. One of them is North 71 at Pfeiffer on the right shoulder, and then North 71 north of Stewart on the right shoulder. Among the backups right now, North 71 at Dana, off and on through Pfeiffer, South 71 at Pfeiffer, and then uh, you're on the brakes again around the Lytle Tunnel. 75 northbound at Ezard, and then again at the lateral. And then again, you're on the brakes uh, north by GE. South 75 uh, near Lachland, uh, some backups there. You're also on the uh, brakes Western Avenue off and on to the Brent Sprents Bridge, uh, partly because of that disabled I mentioned. And then there's some slowdowns in the cut in the hill. It is 85 degrees right now. Your forecast this evening, the National Weather Service has issued a tornado watch in effect till 9 o'clock tonight. We can just see on the weather radar some storms creeping into Ripley County, Indiana. Uh, tonight's low will be around 65 degrees. Then uh, around midnight, another wave of storms. Tomorrow, off and on showers, an 80% chance of additional rain. Tomorrow's high around 70 uh, degrees, 75 degrees rather. On Friday, a high around 70 and then on Saturday, highs back in the upper 70s, uh, dry at this point, Sunday through Wednesday next week, highs mainly around 85. So some warm days coming your way to start off the work week next week. It's 85 right now here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. And... Uh, that means I don't have a topic unless you give me one by sending me a question or calling at 877-772-9658. That's our toll-free number here at WMKV, 877-772-9658. Or you can go to the askvina.com website, fill out the, the uh, uh, um, Ask Vina a question response form, and it pops right into my inbox my radio show inbox so i can find it uh, like this one just did from john in cincinnati who says how do you evaluate a property differently if you were looking to rent it or fix and flip it that's a great question john and in fact um, cincinnati re is having a one-day workshop on june 18th about uh, wholesaling properties versus fixing and flipping them you might want to check that out on CincinnatiRia.com. But the, um, the the quick answer is renting requires a certain level of fix-up and a certain level of tenant proofing. <laughs> the, 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 those kind of materials that you're going to put into a house that you're going to resell are not going to be the kind of materials that you're going to put into a property for rent. And sometimes the materials that you're putting into a resale house are m more expensive and durable. And sometimes they're less expensive and durable. And I know that seems like a um, contradiction, but let me explain what I mean. If you were going to fix up a, a particular house for resale, as you were going to carpet that house, you would use a nice medium grade of carpeting with an upgraded carpet pad because you want folks who are walking through it to kind of feel the luxury and the softness of the pad and so on. Uh, if you were going to rent that same house and you were going to carpet it, you would... Um, you would put in a lower grade of carpet and you would put in a lower grade of pad. Now, why do tenants deserve a lower grade of carpet and pad? It's not that anybody in the world deserves anything. It's that you cannot afford to continually replace the upgraded carpet and pad. And I, the, the IRS says carpet is a seven-year wear item. Um, I don't know about you, but my experience is it is a one-tenant wear item. You're pretty much going to replace the carpet between tenants, no matter whether those tenants stay for a year or three years or seven years. So in that case, because it's not going to cause your rental property to rent for less and because it's just not economical to put in the higher grade carpet and pad because it gets ruined just as fast as the lower grade carpet and pad, you would make the decision in that case to spend less money on the rental. Um, 
in the case of some other types of flooring, though, for instance, kitchen and bathroom floors in a rental property, I always put in ceramic tile. Why? Because the vinyl sheet products, the linoleum type products, tear too easily. And for whatever reason, um, I find that tenants are hard on those linoleum floors. They'll drag a refrigerator across it, drag a table across it, they'll rip it, and you can't fix it. It can't be, it can't be, uh, patched in an attractive way, it has to be completely replaced. Uh, what a lot, of, lot, a lot of landlords do in that case is they go for the like little one by one square paste down tiles under the theory that, hey, if they ruin one of those, I just scrape it up and I put down another one. I think you've probably seen the results of that. You've probably seen what that looks like. It, it doesn't look good. It's not attractive. It's hard to make attractive that little setup. So ceramic, more expensive, but almost indestructible. And even if the tenant drops a bowling ball on it and cracks a tile, it doesn't ruin the floor. It doesn't, doesn't look great, but it doesn't look as bad as the the one by one vinyl glue down stuff. So uh, when I go out to evaluate a property and I don't know yet whether it's going to be a rental or whether it's going to be a rehab, uh, what I do is I have two lines on my inspection sheet, one that says rental and one that says rehab. And so uh, if I walk into the kitchen and it's got solid wood cabinets that are just old fashioned and dinged up and they don't they don't look great but they're perfectly serviceable on the rental line I might write paint cabinets $400 and on the rehab on the uh, retail line I will write replace cabinets $2000 so you just you, when you're when you're a landlord you're always trying to walk that line between having things be as inexpensive as possible and yet still be able to attract good tenants. Good tenants like nice things, just like everybody else likes nice things. Uh, and you can't, you can't, you can only, you can only take that a certain way. I mean, the people who, the people who continue to patch and paint the old metal cabinets that have been in the property since 1920 and the, they, they're falling apart and they just keep screwing them back together. Those people are called slumlords, right? So you don't, you can't go overboard on that. But you do have to keep thing, keep costs to a reasonable level and at the same time uh, keep things in a condition that um, hopefully they cannot be too badly damaged by residents doing wear and tear on them. So thank you very much for your question. A uh, question here from, hmm, no name, just an email address. Let's say that the name is D because that's the first letter of the email address, and there is no city either. Please, when you go to AskSavina.com, be sure when you're filling out the response form at the bottom, it says uh, your name and then comma from, and put in where you're from and put in a name. I won't read your last name, I promise. Unless you're, And if you're trying to be completely anonymous, write anonymous. Uh, in 2006, I bought a nice Cape Cod subject to the existing loan, and I plan to sell it within six months for a nice profit. Unfortunately, the market changed, and it in fact has been a nice money pit ever since. I rented it and have been carrying a negative cash flow of $800 a month since 2009. I've been thinking of doing a short sale, but I've been trying to do right by the seller. I'm tired of giving money away. Are there any other ideas? Well, first of all, D, um, let me say thank you for trying to take care of the seller. That the, the, There are too many people out there who in this situation would just say, uh, never mind, I'm going to stop making the payments and so and go into foreclosure. And that is wrong. If you, um, if you get into a situation like this, which unfortunately many folks who bought houses in that time frame did, the thing to do is go to the seller and offer him some options. You cannot do a short sale on this property without the seller's permission. You own the house, you do not own the loan. So you can't simply call up the bank and say, okay, I want to do a short sale. It's not your loan. Okay, so the options that you would be offering the seller at this point are, first of all, I cannot continue to make these $800 a month payments. I'm sorry about that. I know that I committed to do that, but it has gotten to the point where it's just it just cannot happen anymore. So, Mr. Seller, here are our choices. I can give the property back to you. I can just deed it back to you. It will be your house again. I have done some improvements, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, and then you can rent it or you can sell it or you can move back into it or do as you please with it. Choice number two is I can try to negotiate a short sale with your bank. However, I'm going to have to get 
your permission to do that. And you, Mr. Seller, need to be aware of some things. Number one, it is going to affect your credit rating. Number two, it may not work and the bank may take the property back. But as things stand right now, I cannot continue to make this $800 a month payment. So unless you want to take the property back, the bank's going to take it back one way or another. So you tell me, Mr. Seller, is your credit very important to you? I mean, you may find out that the seller is nearing bankruptcy anyway, in which case give it back to him, let him get it foreclosed on. Um, if it if it is, we won't do the short sale. I'll just give you the property back. But I did not want to just let this go and not not say anything to you about it. I wanted to give you the option of what to do because I cannot keep my commitment in this case. So that would be my approach. See what they say. And if they say something um, confusing or different, you can always write back with another question. But next time, tell me who you are. Uh, Let's see. What other questions do we have here? Um, Got a question from Steve asking about a recommendation on a particular speaker's course. And of course, I cannot, I cannot give a recommendation on that one way or another. But interesting thing here, Steve, is uh, it says, your email says, after some research on the web, I'm finding that many folks are saying that this person offers no real support with the system, contrary to his sales page, and that they were disappointed in the course. I was wondering if you know anyone using his system successfully and could speak to his credibility. I'm just trying to make an educated decision. Um, Although I cannot speak to this particular speaker here on the air, Steve, I will say that the fact that you have found negative stuff online, and and especially if it is repeated negative stuff, is probably a sign that you shouldn't get the course, at least not if that part of it is important to you. And not enough people do this. you, You hear a sales pitch, you're all excited about you know, oh, this person just promised that I was going to make $1,418,576 if I bought the course. And you don't, most people don't ask anyone if they've used the system. Most people don't check online to see if there's any reviews of the course. Now, having said that, there, <laughs> there's a thing that's going on right now in the real estate education world where many of the folks who do have bad, useless courses and who do not give customer support on them are keeping you from knowing that by uh, controlling the keywords in Google and so on uh, for their own names. In other words, um, <laughs> there's there's a particular there's a particular educator I know out there and you have never heard of on real life real estate and you never will because I know for a fact that this guy has been sued multiple times by students for not giving refunds. And I, there's been some other legal problems as well. So I Googled him and I put in his name plus the word scam. I put it in plus indictment plus lawsuit plus, And every time I did that, I got the first two or three pages that I got on Google were all you may have heard that so-and-so is a scam, but in fact, I got his course and it's the best thing I've ever seen. And um, those, those aren't real. You know, those are, those, are, those are intentional controlling of the information that is out there on the web about that speaker by that speaker. So a live human beings um, saying that, yeah, they, they used the course and it was good or it was bad and they got the support or they didn't get the support are... Uh, much, much better than what you can find on the web. There's also a few websites out there that uh, um, every time I Google my own name, there's always a couple of websites that come up that say, uh, before you before you learn anything from Vena Jones-Cox, um, get this shocking information. And you click on it, and what they're doing is they're, they're selling their own course. Like, my name's not even mentioned on their website. It's just they just used it as a... As a you know, lead in to get you over to their website. Um, and I've seen, I've seen one, actually, we, I had my letter, my attorney write a letter about this one. It said, uh, Vena Jones Cox is a scam. And you, and I promise you, I'm not, I'm right here. Mike can, Mike can confirm. I am a, an actual human being. Uh, I clicked on it and it was, uh, it was an MLM. It was somebody trying to sell you the idea of, uh, oh no, you don't want to go into real estate. You want to go into this network marketing thing. And they used that as their headline, which, um, that that crossed the line. Uh, question here. I'm going to go back here to the question from Sean. 
Sean asked me a question. She said, uh, thank you very much, WMKV and you for your show. I listen to nearly all of your posted podcasts and truly appreciate the knowledge. Listening to them sure makes running on the treadmill zoom by. I've been studying Wendy Patton's system and I have a question about how it works. Now, the reason I read Wendy's name is that she has been here on Real Life Real Estate and... Uh, I was able to get in contact with Wendy while I was on the show here and get get her answer to your questions. Uh, she says, since Wendy promotes her system as a lower mo- no money down system, she recommends having the buyer come to the closing first. Uh, considering all the scams these days, how would you convince your buyer to bring money to the closing before you have the deed signed over to them? Wendy's answer to that was, you can no longer do double closings. It has recently changed in some places. That is correct. It used to be you know, a year or two ago, it was much easier to do those than it is now. She says, now what you do is you use transactional funding or other private lending to get the deed and then transfer the title to the end buyer. So um, if you have a a year old version of, if you listen to something that she was on, I know she was on like, what, six, eight months ago, because she was coming to Oria. Uh, She has, she has changed her system and it is now to use transactional funding or to get a private lender to close the deal. Uh, she says, uh, I met with a realtor who explained and explained Wendy's system. Uh, he understands that it sounds great in theory, but has doubts as to its application in the real world. His question is, is the seller going to lease option the home to you at a discount enough for you to make a profit? Wendy says, tons of sellers will now lease their home to you for a promise to buy the house as is for less than the fair market value right now, giving you a future retail spread with your in buyer plus cash flow in the meantime to reduce the seller's bleeding. And that has also been my experience. And of course, we had a guest here, um, I don't know, less than two months ago, Pete Fortunato, who basically said the same thing. So I'm guessing that your realtor has never done this, never tried it, never seen it done. I think you probably need to go out and try it in the real world, Sean, um, to see that it does in fact work. Well, that is our show for this evening. Question and answer week. Thanks to all of you who sent in questions. Don't forget to go to askvina.com. Sign up for our free weekly e-letter and for the free e-books that are going to be coming out over the next few months. If I don't know who you are, I don't know how to send them to you. Just fill out that information and we will get you on the list for those things. And we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. This is 89.3 WMKV, Randing, Ohio. Looks like Local 12 News is going into their newscast a little early. They're talking about some storms heading toward the area. So here is uh, Tim Hendrick. What you do see here as well is this huge area of pink. Describing area, uh, pink over right the, the radio what these uh, things are. And it could contain hail, golf ball to baseball size hail in nature. And that portion of the thunderstorm is going to move toward morning sun, uh, May Clip Oxford, May Clip Jericho, in through Somerville, and in through West Elkin as well. So that thunderstorm, uh, that thunderstorm activity is, uh, contains a lot of hail and most likely a lot of wind as well. Now, that little sweep of the radar told me something very interesting, that this, this thunderstorm is trying to move to the right. You never like to see a thunderstorm move to the right. Um, Oxford, you are in the direct line of this 